All right, so pre-show. Oh, happy new year, everyone. Hello. How happy are new we? year. Yeah. <laughs> I hope everyone's doing well. Uh, we mentioned 2022. The, 20, the revenge of 2020. 2022. Man, it's the future. It's so weird. It's so weird. I, I went in to get milk this morning and I saw a kid. And in, it was robot milk. Yes, it was. Yes, it was robot milk with lasers. Um, I saw a kid at the, the cashier who's wearing a class of 2022 jumper. Um, and I was like, people are graduating like secondary school in 2022. That's insane. Like I thought this stopped in the mid 2000s. <laughs> what is this? And it's just nuts. It's just it's oh, it's the future, man. It's so weird. Do you know? Sorry, we're already starting tangents. Do you know what's the thing that I find absolutely mind blowing, and I can't wait for it to happen? What when, is that? When we are really old and decrepit, people mm-hmm. will look at us and be like, "Those people were born in a, like a different world. Like they were born before the millennium." Like, that's the equivalent of someone in, like, say, you know, in, like, 1980, meeting someone who's born in the 1800s. Like, that just feels like a like a, a vast chasm between those. And we're going to have that. We're going to be born in the 1980s. And then there's going to be people in, like, you know, 2060 being all like, whoa, look, that person was born back in the barbaric times. Uh, pre-robot milk and lasers, like, you know? Uh, I think that's nuts. I think that's a really cool fun thing that we are like turn of the millennium babies yeah no um anyway so the tangent uh, what were we saying oh yeah uh, happy new year everyone uh i hope uh i hope you are all doing well and like we mentioned at the end of the last episode we wish you all the best of luck health fortune and happiness for 2022 goodness knows we all need it <laughs> yeah um so now pre-show right um just a quick little thing uh, i want to throw into the show notes a conlang survey or rather a conlanger survey and this is a survey that was i think made by uh youtuber agma schwa links in the show notes to this um they are a another conlang youtuber um and it's it's basically just a survey asking conlangers about their craft um they're looking to get, I think it's like a thousand-ish replies, whatever. I think they're somewhat near. So if the survey is still live by the time this this uh, podcast goes out, it's like just a couple of questions. It won't take you long. Uh, fill them in. And yeah, uh, Agua would be really, really happy with that. Um, yeah, highly encourage you to do it. I found the survey quite hilarious because one of the questions was something to the effect of like, how many conlangs do you have? And then it, it enumerates some numbers and you pick, right? And then the very next question is, how many conlangs are you happy with? And the, the one of the options is zero. And I suspect that every single person is just going to put zero there. <laughs> I suspect there'll be no other answer because I don't think anyone who does anything creative goes, yeah, I'm entirely happy and pleased with this creative thing I've made. That just never happens. So, Can you ever really finish a conlang? Well, that's fair, yeah. I get, but there comes a point where it just, I don't know, it feels done-ish. Um, 
you know um but yeah i like i've never been happy with I, like i'm never happy with anything i make or do to be fair like there's a brief window in time where after i've made a thing like a video i go this is awesome this is the best thing ever like no one's made a better video than this and then like give it two days and i'm like this is terrible i hate myself i hate my content like you know it's typical for people who do creative stuff so i'd be really intrigued to see when if those were the results of the survey are made public I'd be really intrigued to see how conlangers rate their own work because it's got mm. it's got to be that everyone's displeased with their own work. Like it has to be, you know. Oh man, it lists so many cases. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. You can see. See, I've already done the survey, so I can't see it by clicking on the forms. Um, I've never heard of a benefactive case before. That's neat. Man, there's there's all there's a lot of cases. There are many many cases. Um, I found some of the questions, like, interesting. Like, this is not to throw shade on, on the creators of the survey, but it seems I don't understand the point of that question. So that question is... Actually, Bill, would you just read out that question? I will read out the top. I will not read out all the options. No, don't, don't bother. To <laughs> um, question. Which cases have you used in your conlangs? If you don't know what a case is or don't know how to implement it, select, I don't know. So... Like, I wonder what 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 we're trying to get from that question, do you know? Like, why cases? Like, why do we care if people have implemented cases or the number of cases? I, I think I, maybe it could be interesting to see the comparison between languages people speak, um, which is... I guess they don't, they don't ask for specific languages above. Maybe, then, maybe that doesn't make sense. But, like, maybe then comparison between um, the cases that are used in real-world languages versus the cases that people like to put in conlangs and the relative distribution thereof. Yeah, I mean, I guess, but the problem there is, like, again, isn't the question, like, you know, what cases have you used in your conlangs, plural? Yeah. So then, you know, you could have, like, seven or eight conlangs, each with, a like, a diverse selection of cases, and then you basically just take all the cases. And so the data is a bit muddled there because it feels like if you were to hand that data over to someone who you know wasn't the creator of the survey it would feel like oh this this person this who answered all the cases put all the cases in their language when that's not actually the case that you know the person might put have like four or five cases in each of their languages you know um yeah i i see what you mean I, just, I think i think there could still be something taken from that even if you can't um you know get highly granular data i think you can still see something yeah, thinking on it, I think what it might be <clears throat> is that I think cases are one of those things that beginner conlangers hop on very readily. Um, mm -hmm. Because it's like, you know, English doesn't really do case, like it does marginally, but we don't have like a very robust case system. So English speakers who are con, con, conlangers who are English speakers uh, who, who come to the craft will go like, oh, okay, well, so here's what English does. Cool, I know that. Uh, let me check what related languages to English do. So you look at the Indo-European languages and then you find like German with like, you know, a massive case system. Um, I realize Hungarian and Finnish are not Indo-European, but in Europe, we'll say. And then you go, wow, massive case system. And then there's a natural inclination, I think, for conlangers to go like, I must do this weird thing they call case. And then following from that is the inclination conlangers have of when they hear about a new thing, they try to do it like too much. So maybe the question is getting at like, is there a over density of case in conlangs, we'll say. 
Um, maybe it's getting at that. Yeah, I don't know. I know it. Just, it struck me on first reading. I was like, huh, that's interesting. Why not ask the same question about like you know causatives, um, or enter any grammatical thing here? Ask the same question. Um, I might actually ask Agmar Schwab about that. Anyhow, that is the Con Lang survey. Again, it's not long. It's really fun. Uh, takes five minutes to fill out. So uh, if it's still live by the time this show comes out, uh, please do consider filling it out. All right. Sounds good. All right. So now follow up. Um, couple of items of follow up. Um, two of them relating to the last uh, show, uh, the Christmas podcast. Uh, one is that we had. Remember, we did a call for uh, listener questions. Yes. And uh, eagle eagle eared uh, viewers will note that uh, we only had one eagle eared viewers. Yeah, eagle eared. <laughs> Viewers. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Leave it in. That's staying in. <laughs> the show is the show. Uh, so eagle-eared viewers uh, will have noticed that we only had one listener submit a question um, and not the three that we said we would have. Um, this, as with many things to do with Artifacts, is entirely my fault uh, in that I didn't set like a hard deadline for submissions. I just was like, just send them in wherever you want. And... As it happened, we ended up getting, uh, not a ton, but we ended up getting enough questions to flesh out that section, like literally the day after we recorded. <laughs> so for those who submitted questions, uh, you're not, you didn't make it into the show purely because of my incompetence in organizing submissions. Um, what we might do is we might hold on to those maybe for next time or, you know, uh, we might answer them maybe in the next show or something. I don't know, something like that. Um, but thank you for submitting, and I'm sorry for my incompetency. I'll be much more rigorous uh, come next year. Sounds good. Uh, and then the other thing is I want to give compliments to Greater Artifexia and just tell them that they are smart. They are <laughs> smart people in Artifexia because there was uh, a lot of people who got like really high scores f- uh, doing the, the, the pub quiz along with us. Um, like I saw a lot of 11s out of uh, 19, which is about like, what is that? About like 60-ish percent, uh, which is like up there. That would put them just behind you, Bill, um, in the standing. So a lot of people scored really highly. So smart folks out there. No one, I believe, I could be wrong, correct me if I am, Bill, but I, I don't think anyone answered more questions than you did percentage-wise. Um, I still think you you remain king of Artifexia when you factor in everyone on the podcast and Artifexia. I thought there was someone in the thing who had gotten... Uh, oh, no, I can't see. No, I'm not seeing on Reddit here anyone. I thought I thought someone had gotten, like, a 13 or something. Maybe they were in the, maybe in the chat from the live Maybe it was in the chat, yeah. But I, I don't remember. If, if someone did, congratulations, you are now king of Artifexia. Um, but I don't remember seeing it. But either way, I think that the the floor for the answers was quite high coming mm-hmm. from Artifexia, and it made me feel r- like really bad. Like I joke, obviously, uh, because like I did horrific, horrific in the quiz. Like I got four questions correct out of sixteen. Bill, absolute shame. And I I think every year I am always at the bottom of the list. So I need to I need to do something. I need to sabotage the quiz for next year to like <laughs> stack the stack the odds in my favor a little bit because this yeah. can't stand. <laughs> and then we can genuinely shout fix at the end. 
we can yeah i yeah. i'll just have i'll have a round like dedicated to like uh middle names of footballers who play in the english third division something like that where no one will know anything and i'll just everyone gets zero on my round and then that'll just like level out the playing field a little bit be great crack i mean that doesn't actually give you a higher score though <laughs> no but it lowers the score of everyone around me <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so it levels it out um but yeah anyhow i had and i just want to say thanks to all the folks again for the podcast if you're listening uh sitnaf bib mitch um and that's it <laughs> not patrick <laughs> <laughs> and, and bill and then, well, and bill, yeah. so, but thanks so much uh to all of you for coming along i had an absolute blast like that was that was genuinely just like the two hours or so of recording flew and I just had so much fun just bantering with, with, with the folks. It was really great. And I hope this tradition um, keeps up every year. Yes, I'm I'm looking forward to next year. 2020. Man, next year is 2023. Jesus. Well, end of this year. Yeah, I know. But next year is 2023. Like that's, it is 2023. That's, that's the next year after 2022. Yeah. Oh, my God. Jesus. Will, will it be a good third entry? Or will it be like a bad third entry in the series? <laughs> it's been. I mean, would you say here? I know this is not entirely in jest. Would you say that the the twenties series is in generally go in general getting better or worse? Because I mean, it kicked off in twenty twenty with the pandemic. Yeah. And like, and then. You know, there's an argument to be made that 2020 was like the worst year of the 20s and then 2021 and 2022 maybe will be better in comparison because like we've learned to deal with the shock that was 2020 but then there's also an argument to be made that like yeah the pandemic kicked off in 2020 but it was only really in 2021 where we ha- where we saw like big numbers and you know extended lockdowns or whatever so I- I'm curious what do you think do you think the 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 trajectory is in, in, in general up or in general down? Or is it just like flat misery all the time? <laughs> well, you know me, I'm I'm generally kind of a pessimist. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to say getting worse. So do you anticipate 2022 as being worse than last year? Um, I'm not going to make any predictions. So... I am, right? I'm going to stick my neck out there. And if I'm wrong, it just is in fitting with the long and sordid history of me being wrong about a lot of things. See pub quiz. Good. <laughs> uh, I think I think it'll get better because like I've been, anecdotally, there uh, there's a, a couple of medical professionals in my kind of extended sphere of friends and families, uh, friends and family. And they've all kind of been saying that... Um, with Omicron coming along and that it's like it's less uh, severe and things like that, we're kind of seeing the sort of dying out phases of the pandemic. Like we're mm-hmm. seeing like things like herd immunity kind of really kick in and uh, a weakening of the strain or whatever. Now, I, I appreciate that, like, you know, the next mutation could come along and it could just randomly be a lot worse. But the impression I get from from listening to these people or listening to people talk about the, these people in my kind of sphere is that they are kind of like quietly optimistic that a corner has been kind of turned. Um, at least in Ireland. I can't speak for what's going on in, in the rest of the world. 
Um, so I, I don't know. Uh, from that, I've kind of taken a little bit of optimism. I was kind of like, yeah, t- I think twenty twenty two probably will be okay. Like I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if there's um, if a soft end to the pandemic is called at the like the end of twenty twenty two. That wouldn't surprise me. I'm not saying it's likely, but it wouldn't surprise me. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, sorry, it's another tangent. God, I'm so sorry, folks. Uh, fo- more follow-up. Uh, two more points. These are all related to religious world building. Um, they're just more of a, like, I'll highlight them and check them out because I think they're kind of fun. Uh, we got a really, really, really good comment in Reddit about uh, religious world building. Um, that comes from a person who is a Baptist. Um, so religious world building from a religious person. Kind of cool. And it's from Olive Eubean. Could again continue in the fine tradition of being related listeners, and it's a big comment, so I'm not going to read it out, but have a listen. I think it's really cool, and and, and Olive ties in, um, you know, thinking of religion as um, fractured in a way, you know, like uh, as in uh, people, not everyone will agree on the way religious practices work and then that's how think about how that disagreement manifests and you know what sort of practices arise out of that it's a, it's a really good thing um so go check it out thank you all of you being again it's a long comment so i won't read it out uh, and following from from that we we also uh got met we also got a shout out to, uh to a video called god that's such a bad way of phrasing that we also got a shout out to a video called that's awful <laughs> another redditor uh, I think it was a redditor uh, left um, a suggestion to go check out the video on world building religions by uh, Hello Future Me, who we've mentioned on the show before. Massive like world building writing channel out there, and I think they do a really good job of extensively going through and uh, demonstrating how to think about creating religions. And in particular, the conceit of this video is that it's polytheistic religions. And they do a really good job as well hammering home that religion is uh, complicated and there's factions and splits and divides and like continuously, uh, Hello Future Me says it's complicated, it's complicated, it's complicated, which is a really good thing to do because obviously it's just, it's really boring if you're like, oh, I have a pantheon of gods, there's like five of them, uh, this, this, this god deals with like sun, moon, fertility, etc. And then that's it and that's the world. No one ever has any disagreements about anything, you know? Um, yeah, it's a really good video, and I would it's encourage. It's both you- boring and unrealistic. Correct, correct. Um, oh, and another thing I liked about the Hello Future Me video is that um, uh, they lent into uh, not uh, prescribing entirely to the Western idea of theism. Um, so they lent into like thinking about like, hey, can you introduce? Uh, you know, uh, ideas of like shamanism or animacy from like, you know, the Japanese tradition uh, and things like that and try and blend a little bit more and don't just kind of like ape what we see in the West as if that's the only theistic sort of um, tradition there is. Um, mm-hmm. So just a general all round good video. So go check it out. Links to all these things are in the show notes. Cool. Cool. All right. That is, uh, because the last episode was the pub quiz, there's not really much follow-up to do, so that was kind of it. Um, do you want to go into the uh, to the writer's room? Let's. Let's. Remember how I said, uh, folks, that uh, whenever I do release a video, I'll talk about it on the podcast, and if I don't, we'll just do the podcast anyways to try and keep up a somewhat regular schedule? <laughs> again 
long history of me doing silly things. I completely forgot that I released a video in between the last proper episode of this podcast, the last non-pub quiz episode of this podcast, and then this podcast. Um, I completely forgot that. Uh, and Bill, only like literally like five minutes before recording goes, are we not talking about this? So I've got nothing prepared there. So I actually won't be talking about this. So I'm really sorry. Um, the next video at the time of recording is due to come out very soon. So I anticipate that the next time we talk, we'll be talking about... Uh, I won't tell the topic. We'll be talking about some linguistics topic. Um, so I'm sorry. I've let the team down again. So I've let the team down. So let's go through this, right? I've let the team down in one just being generally not very clever and answering very few questions in all of the pub quizzes combined. I've let the team down in uh, not uh, organizing the submissions correctly for the pub quiz and I've let the team down in forgetting my own rules for how this pub, pub uh, how this podcast runs so so far also in uh, forgetting your own rules for how the pub quiz runs but you know it's fine that will add that to the list so so far 2022 I am executing it with like admirable what's the word I'm looking for I'm executing it with like Admirable, admirable, good at vocabulary ing. Good, that's precisely it. So all that is to say that we only have a little bit of world building today, which, let's be frank, is what we're all here for. So, Bill. <laughs> but when when will I get my burning questions about the last video answered? I mean, if you have any burning questions, I will answer them. I just haven't prepped uh, like a series of po- talking points. Hmm. Hmm. Sorry. A rump. <laughs> <laughs> Bill rubbing it in here, goddamn! All right, uh, so well, so uh, tell us what you got. Give us a brief little thing, uh, intro, and then launch into it. Um, this week I have written a pamphlet. A pamphlet. Mm. Mm, agitprop, nice. <laughs> Groundsfolk of Mearsphere, the Abeski nations of which we are part have carried wealth and industry to all corners of this continent. The reward of this undertaking has brought untold prosperity to the spires and the companies, and untold misery to the common folk of these nations and countless others. We appeal to all groundsfolk of the Abeski to stand with us and with the common people of all nations against the evils of exploitation. Our lives and our labor are the fuel for the furnace of company trade, Without them, they cannot turn the engine of profit. When we ask for the merest accommodation of humane conditions, bailiffs are loosed upon us. When we ask for the least alleviation of suffering in the form of increased pay, marines and patrol craft fire upon us. Remember Lansk. The lives of the groundsfolk are reckoned as naught in the face of company profits. It is clear we can no longer ask and expect a fair reply. Our only recourse is to refuse to fuel them any longer. Join us, groundsfolk and common labourers of all nations, and strike. From Jikav to Vilv, from Atien to Hoytan, lay down your tools and say no more. They will label us agitators. They have provoked us by their injustice. They will call us ungrateful. They have no gratitude for our work, upon which their ships and weapons are built, Their commodities are traded, and their wealth comes forth. Your life and your labor is of greater value than can be accounted by a company ledger. Stand with us. Stand in solidarity with all groundsfolk, with the Earthani, with the exploited in the Anches and Transalien, 
with the Abari. Strike. If, if it's okay with you, I might have a little bit of fun with the sound design for that. Um, uh, cautious, yes. I mean, I might put in like you know street noises and make it sound oh, yeah, like yeah. Yeah, someone is is up on a soapbox roaring this in a crowded street. Yeah, um, absolutely. Listeners, if I couldn't find appropriate sound design, it, or listeners, if you are if you just listened to that and there isn't in fact any of those sounds, it's because I couldn't find anything in the public domain. But that is my intent. I would like to do that. <laughs> Um, as always, I think this one is pretty straightforward. Like it's mm-hmm. it's 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 a pamphlet. People are upset about general working conditions, and this is a pamphlet being dispersed around uh, encouraging people to go on strike. Um, why did we write this? Again, is there something you're thinking about? Something real world? Why why did you choose this this topic? Um, well, it's. In universe, it's building on uh, the stuff we had a while ago about the the riot in Lansk, mm-hmm. um, and you know I've I've touched on uh, other times other propaganda um, like the the anti labor propaganda uh, uh, woodcuts mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that I talked about a while ago. Um, I mean nothing particularly uh, contemporary uh, in in the real world. Um, inspired this just kind of the history of labor stuff in general um one thing it's not really the same kind of document um but one thing is the um declaration of the Irish Republic um do you know which one I am to or what I am talking about when I say that Edgar this is absolutely a trick question no, look, I'm really bad at Irish history. I'm so sorry, Bill. Okay, so usually when you think the the, the proclamation, you'd think 1916, right? Yes, correct. Yeah. There was a, a proclamation of an Irish Republic in 1867. 1867? There was, yeah. Wow. And it was an extremely unsuccessful um, uh, rebellion. Um, hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it was entirely, entirely unsuccessful. There was only a handful of skirmishes um, for various reasons. Uh, it was it was badly timed, and stuff went against. Oops, uh, stuff went went against them, and and it was it was just very generally very unfortunate. Um, but I, I read about this a while ago. It's not one we 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 get taught about really. Like you know, we're taught a lot about 1916 in school and that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had known about this um, this conflict, but not anything about the the proclamation. Um, but there was a very interesting um, line in it. Where is it here? Um, but yeah, here's the line. We intend no war against the people of England. Our war is against the aristocratic locusts, whether English or Irish, who have eaten the verdure of our fields against the aristocratic leeches who drain alike our fields and theirs. Republicans of the entire world, our cause is your cause. Um, Which is just, I mean, that's so explicitly kind of class solidarity across nations. Yeah. Um, You know, and it's highlighting a common cause between the the Fenians and the 
working class of England, um, which is just neat to see. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing that the 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 cause of both their miseries was the same, and that was something that kind of uh, I wanted to bring across here that. Uh, although it's not the same kind of document, um, and it doesn't, I was originally going to try write something that followed the, the format overall, but it didn't quite work out. Um, but here I'm getting at the same thing: is that the the same people are responsible overall, and the the plight of the groundsfolk, the Abeski groundsfolk, is the same as the the plight of the you know the other nations that are being exploited as foreigners by the by the Abeski companies. So, so leaning into what the the declaration there that you just read out says, um, in in Ikern, do we have any like uppity folks in the Irthani uh, or the Ebwari that are uh, exploiting people, or is it this purely just like the companies are exploiting people? Do the, do the companies employ? Or are ran by any kind of non-Abeski people? A, a small amount, yes. Okay. Um, there would be a, a, a few members who are from um, other other backgrounds than just the Abeski. Mm, they would certainly employ people kind of as, as contractors or as local, local troops and things. Yeah, yeah. Not so much in um, leadership and management, but there would be a few. Uh, but yeah, they certainly they enrich people uh, abroad. That's kind of what um, uh, licensed prospectors do. Is they well, well, they can often just kind of exploit uh, owners of businesses elsewhere. And um, companies can also they will find someone to make rich, mm-hmm. and in that way, kind of make them a a traitor to the the uh, overall health of of their own nation. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, the you have a line here. Our lives and our labor are fuel for the furnace of company trade. Without them, they cannot turn the engine of profit. I like that yeah. turn of phrase. Turn the engine of profit. I think that's really, really cool. Um, oh, it's quite elegant. Um, this is just not related to this writing at all, really. But like, it always makes me sad when, like, you know, when you state that as an objective fact, and that holds in the real world as well. But like. It's almost non-actionable. Uh, it's like, yeah, like billionaires can't be billionaires without all the poor people underneath supporting them. But like, there is, it's it's extremely difficult for all the poor people to get together and to topple the billionaire. Even though ultimately, uh, the power lies with them. Because again, without them, there are no billionaires. It's just like mm-hmm. the whole thing is asymmetric, and it seems trivially easy to write it. But it's like, but in in practicality, it's extremely difficult, and that always kind of makes me real, really sad. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and it looks like Ecare is no different from Earth in this regard. I guess it's it's the concentration of power. They there may be less. Yeah. Um. Overall, but it's more concentrated. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, do we do we do you foresee a uh? Well, do you for first of all, do you foresee strikes in the future? Are we looking at like mass striking happening soon? Uh, it's it's certainly there is certainly a tendency towards that. Yeah, there there is kind of a growing movement towards that. Okay, and then are we then what do you again? I know you won't actually tell me because you've yet to write it, but just like pretend 
you're an analyst on eCare and you have to hypothesize about what's going on. Um, do you think that these strikes will lead to open, uh, like fighting, lead to a like rebellion? Like, where do you see it going? Um, I, I would imagine so. I mean, if if the situation isn't addressed to satisfaction. And so the people who wrote this pamphlet, what are they looking to do? Like, are they looking to have the Abeski companies just, like, shut down and be replaced by their own, like, uh, sort of uh, neo-colonial companies? Or what's their overall, like, ideology? Well, the, the they definitely wouldn't be replacing it with something neo-colonial. That would be contrary to their intent. Uh, elaborate. I mean, they're they're against colonialism, right? But like, sure, loads of people nominally say that, but when they they're the ones who get into power, they're kind of like, well, Jesus, actually, you know, like we're really against colonialism, but we're like, we kind of need to do trade, and I guess we should set up a series of trading companies and like. Or wouldn't trade be just really easy if we just subjugate these people? Like, you know, you taste, you taste, you you suckle from the teat of uh, uh, capitalism and it, and it tends to, like, run amok. Okay, so Abeski liberals, gotcha. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, they, they aren't in that position. If they were to get into that position, perhaps, um, I think, you know, their, their thing would be maybe to... That, that companies would engage on a more um, a more equitable level, a, a more kind of level playing field with with those abroad. So they're looking for a reformation of, of company strategies, basically. Well, the, the companies that currently exist w- would would no longer exist, right? Okay, and yeah. and something else would 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 take place. It would be a a different system, not to reform the system. Is what what. Uh, would be the ideology of the the people behind this document. Are the Abeski worried about this? Is um, it, is this par for the course? Like, is there always these strike pamphlets going around and nothing actually comes of it? Like, how? No. Do you, no. Is I mean, Abeski are not worried. There, there, there is always agitation, um, but you know, this, this is it. It is much stronger at the moment than it has been previously. Um, I would say some of them are worried. Yes, some of the companies are worried. Uh, and some it, of the some of the Abeski people are are obviously in favour. And is that is that because of uh, if listeners recall there was and Bill mentioned earlier there was a riot in Lang- Lansk, yeah, many moons ago. Um, was this was the riot in Lansk? Here comes the part where I say, "Is it this?" And you go, "No." Uh, but was the riot <laughs> in Lansk the one with the the firing upon the Urtani ships and the fallout from that. Edgar? Yeah. Yes. Hey, excellent. I remember something fantastic. So is is this level of agitation, in, like, was the riot in Lance the catalyst for this increased level of agitation? Uh, one of, yeah. One of, okay. Right. One of. And, that, and that's what's being um, addressed there in... When we ask for the merest accommodation, bailiffs are loosed upon us. When we ask for increased pay, marines and patrol craft fire upon us. Remember Lansk. That's what... That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah explicitly, that's the, what, what they're, they're talking about. Um, that's, that's so grim, though. Like, where he's like, hey, 
could I get a pay rise? Would you be able to up my minimum wage so that it keeps up with inflation? And their response is, here's a tank. <laughs> it's just, yeah. it's, that's very grim. Like, I mean, like, at least, oh, I don't know, but I, I get the impression, at least on Earth, like, if you go, like, uh, dear capital overlord, can I get a pay increase? The answer is just no, and you're ignored, as opposed to, we will fire upon you. Or at least that doesn't happen here. Like, that just seems like such a dark and grim reality to live in. You know that in 1919, uh, there was a, a strike in Glasgow and Winston Churchill deployed tanks to quell it. Now, here's the part where we offend and annoy all English listeners. Yeah, but Winston Churchill, Churchill was a git. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, that, you know, it, it does happen in real life. <laughs> oh, no, no, yeah. Oh, no, not sure. anymore so much, but in, in, in the West, not so much anymore, but... Yeah, and I guess that that's the point I was making. Like, you know, from, mm. from the from the cultural stew that I stew in, uh, that seems <clears throat> extremely alien to me. Um, yeah. But like, yeah, no, totally. In other parts of the world or back in, in, in history, yeah, this sort of thing would have happened. Um Yeah, it's cool. I, I am I am excited to see where it goes. Like to be honest with you, I would kind of love just like an all out uprising and then I would love to see the various characters that we have um, that we have met deal with the consequence of this new reality, this uprising. Particularly, mm. do you remember your man, the the bloke uh, with the he became some sort of captain guy, and he was all into himself, like he really loved himself. He thought he was the bee's knees. Uh, I think that was uh, Yar. I, I think that was Yar, yeah. Um, so again, I can't remember the exact details, so correct me if I'm wrong, but they get the impression that he's kind of like, uh, he's become, peacetime has made him fairly soft, and he's off He's off in his little patrol vessel being all like, I'm a captain, I'm so great, yada, yada, yada. I'd really like to see like a full-out uprising happening, and then Yar having to like properly engage in like uh, real violence and maybe even kind of like like interpersonal violence like at some like he has to be confronted with an upriser and like actually fight them and i just like to see like this uppity from my perspective is like this uppity spoiled kid deal with the grim realities of like warfare mm. and have to have him write letters back and forth to like friends and family that would be kind of that would be kind of dope will he resort to atrocities in defense of the status quo or will he utterly cravenly ch- change colour uh, and follow the follow the winds of popular opinion I well I suspect that he will do neither so I, I suspect he won't change colour and I expect he probably when push comes to shove and like the bullets are truly firing and it's not just like practice exercises or the odds sort of like we're catching this craft when it's proper warfare I suspect he strikes me as a sort of person who, like, will be crippled when it comes to when, you know, when the, what was it, when the rubber hits the road. He'll just be crippled with, like, indecision and inability to act. And I, I suspect someone would step in and be like, okay, you, you're out. Go away. And then, like, he has to live with the shame of being, like, uh, uh, demoted and things mm. like that. I, I suspect that like, he just won't be able to handle, uh, when, handle things when things get tough. Is what I is what I think, um, mm-hmm. and also just on a completely unrelated note, do you remember way back when as well? Uh, a trip down memory lane for 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 listeners. Do you remember we had that thing where uh, some ship was taken and there was like some treasure <laughs> on it? 
I do. Yeah, do you remember you said you'd write about that and that was like four years ago and you still haven't <laughs> written about it? Is that ever going to come? Yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe the treasure... Okay, hold on, let me think about this slightly in my head first before I say it. Insurrections are often helped with a symbol. You know, if there is a symbol that one can... Uh, a symbol or a martyr or something like some sort of like uh, symbol that you can all uh, everyone can just get bef- get behind and like really codify what's going on um i wonder could we be in a reality here where that treasure inside that ship is actually some sort of symbol like this um uh, maybe i'd know it's like the sword of the the last great warrior who like led a massive uprising and freed all these people I wonder if the like the, the 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 finding of this treasure could be tied into this narrative that may or may not happen of like this the rising unrest and potential uh, uprising. I wonder if that could be a thing. In in a way, um, it, they they have already crossed over because the the character who was looking uh, for the ship uh, was was in Lansk um, at the time of the riot. Yeah, but we still don't know what the bloody treasure is, and you you play yeah. you played it up as if it was something really significant, and like it's just nothing came of it. You're you're pulling a J.J. Abrams mystery box thing here, where it's kind of like just drop these these dead ends that go nowhere to keep us all interested. I think that's the most offensive thing you've ever said to me. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. <laughs> um, actually, now that I bring it up, more tangents. Um, can I ask you about Star Wars? <laughs> You can the, ask. On the topic of J.J. Abrams. Uh, now that it's been a long, long time, not a long, a long time, since the, the trilogy has been completed, mm-hmm. um, and we have, the, dis, we have the, um, the pleasure of kind of like a little bit of separation from, yeah. from the, the culture at the time and like all that sort of crack. Um, what are your feelings t- uh, towards those films? Uh, or if you have no feelings at all, what do you get the impression from others uh, how they think about those films now that there's been some separation um in no particular order no particular order i think star wars just isn't for me okay um i think the there was a lack of cohesive vision across the three films mm-hmm. and it wasn't allowed to to it wasn't really given the freedom to be truly creative because of that um while i didn't enjoy what was the middle film last jedi the yes correct while i didn't enjoy it overall i thought it was the best of the bunch um and it it did interesting things that were um then ignored or, or thrown aside by the following film um and and again I, this is not necessarily a criticism of the thing overall it is that it isn't for me there was just it was a bit too kind of kiddy in parts um for me to to take seriously um yeah i i thought i thought ryan johnson nearly did really interesting stuff but didn't quite get there and then what was done interesting in that film was uh torn apart and trampled into the dirt in the third one yeah i think the 
I, I think I thought this at the time, and by I, I, I remain convinced I'm correct about this. I, I think having Ryan Johnson uh, direct The Last Jedi was a terrible idea straight off the bat because, like, like, like Star Wars is not fi- like art, you know. It's not. It's just a bit of fun. Uh, whereas Ryan Johnson is like a really weird, artsy sort of director and writer. Like, like, mm-hmm. like. Uh, if people don't know, he he directed and I think wrote a film called Brick, and yeah. like Brick is he certainly does. Yeah, Brick is weird and artsy, and it's something that would do really well at like Sundance. It probably did really well at Sundance. Um, and th- this is not. You know, that sort of CV is not something that I would look at and go, that's applicable to Star Wars. Um, the film won the special jury prize for originality of vision at the 2005 Sundance Festival. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, go on, the Edgar. <laughs> um, so, like, you know, you look at a CV of a director and go, yeah, that's the sort of person we want to have this sort of, like... Because um, Star Wars is for kids, ultimately. So, like, this kind of kids like popcorn entertainment stuff do like mm. it, that was never going to work like it you know either it would be because the only way it would be great is if ryan johnson just like went full ryan johnson and then in the context of star wars that could never be seen as being great mm. um it's just it's just completely the wrong fit and i i nearly think that it's a it would have been a better idea to let just jj do all three um at least then that's kind of coherent and like you know jj did star trek and to a point well to a to a point yeah to a point um but like yeah chopping and changing i think was a bad idea uh having no consistent true line was a really bad idea as well mm. um and it you know i i don't want to be like a revisionist sort of person here but like it kind of makes the prequels seem much better than they actually are because like they were super flawed and had a lot, a lot of problems, right? Like, and like you know, racism not least being one of them. Like, there was a lot of problems in, in the prequels. But they kind of had a sort of, like, cons- consistent vision. Because it was just Lucas doing Lucas. And it was like, I just want to tell this story that I really want to tell. And and it, it kind of works because of that. Like, it's a bit like a fever dream, but it still kind of works. Whereas the the the, uh, the sequel trilogy is just, it's just scattered and all over the shop and doesn't have that, like, mm. internal consistency. Um, so it's a weird thing. I really think that the sequel trilogy has made people be more fond of the prequel trilogy and like it more than they would have ordinarily done, I think. Um, which is a mad place to be in, like, and I think I think this is this will tie in, tie into what we talk about next month. I think that Dune, if done correctly, could be this generation Star Wars because and and when I say done correctly, like they need to get like don't change directors all the time and like stick as close as possible to the source material, and there's a lot of it. So if they just keep making, keep turning the books into films, we'll have a coherent set of like space opera media for this generation. And I I think it really could have the impact of, uh, well, to a degree, have the impact that Star Wars had back in the day. Um, I I think you'll have, I think it's quite a different proposition as a piece of media though. Like it's, it's not... 
kids popcorn entertainment the same way Star Wars is. Um, I disagree. I disagree. Obviously, it's not really. Obviously, it's not exactly the same as Star Wars. Uh, but it's also it's also not so far removed. I think it's in the sphere of space popcorn entertainment, particularly with the way they've done Dune. Because if you compare the well, I, I haven't I haven't seen the new one in fairness, but going on the source material. Okay, right. So, I, had I not seen the new one, I would totally agree with you. But if you ever do see the new one, the new one is has been like blockbusterified. Um, it still sticks to the source material uh, pretty well, as far as I can tell. But it has it 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 minimizes the sort of weird uh, artsy element that Dune has, um, and it's mo- it plays much much more like a like a Star Wars type thing. Um, and I think I think that's I think they're really on something there because I think the other Dune film, uh, your by your man David Lynch, really doubled down on the strangeness of Dune, and mm. it's a real difficult watch in my opinion. Like it's I don't think it's a good movie at all. Um, but yeah, th- this time around they've gone okay. No, no, we're, we're just gonna we're gonna take this setting and we're just gonna dumb down all the artsiness. We're gonna make it like a big romp through a desert planet and it'll be great and i and therefore i think it's more geared towards like older teenagers than the older film was or necessarily that the the books are because again the books are much more dense and thick and adult adult like so i think whoever was responsible with the for doing thing the movie i think they're taking the right path to turn it into a a neo star wars a star wars of this generation and Mm -hmm. i think they can only do that if they avoid the mistakes of the past where they just get rid of the source material. We saw it with... Uh, well, I'm going to say we saw it with Star Wars uh, to a degree because there was some sketches from Lucas that they just ignored completely. But we also saw that like, big time with Game of Thrones. Like The minute they moved away from Martin's material, it just went south. Um, and if the, if the Dune people stick to the source material and continue to blockbusterify it, I think it's a gold mine and a huge cultural turning point. Okay, is my is my prediction? Sorry, anyhow. So there was a there was a riot. There wasn't a riot. There was a there was a uh, there's provocation in uh, Ecairn. Um, <laughs> is is there um, is there anything you'd like to like to add? Because I I think pretty much I have everything. Uh, yeah, that I wanted to ask on that. Um, I think I think this is we, we've wrung everything from it. Um, Jikav to Vil. See, they're kind of around the middle from Jikav to Vil from Atien to Hoytan. Uh, so Zhikav and Vilv are the kind of the furthest apart Abeski cities. Um, Zhikav is in the far west of their kind of region, and Vilv is in the in the far east. Um, and then Atien and Hoitan are not Abeski; they are they're further apart. Atien is um, in the south west. Um, you know the way there's a massive river on the other side of the Usin Belt. I, I do, yes. Yes, so that's at the mouth of that river. Uh, is I, I was about... Oh, sorry, Hoitan? And Hoitan is then is uh, an island to the east. To, yeah, to the east. So I was about to, uh, like, take the piss out of you by being like, Bill, you are aware that, like, for the past number of months, whatever world building is occurring, I showed a map up on screen and people can, like, literally just follow this. But then it occurred to me that there are, in fact, all your listeners. So thank you very much for yeah. <laughs> for grounding them there. <laughs> and I... Uh, well, I suppose I, I see it when 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 we're doing the, the live premieres. Uh, shout out, chat. Um, Hi, chat! Uh, 
but I don't always like you know come back and listen to the podcast again after we have done it. So mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's good. I think um, yeah, I, I I am very interested to see where you go with this. I I would I would love if you could stick on this. Uh, apart from telling us what the treasure was, uh, I'd love if you could stick on this thread because I'd like to see this play out. Like what happens to this agitation? Does it go somewhere? Does it not? Is there open conflict? How does it play out? Like that's what I really want to hear next. Mm-hmm. If that's okay, Bill. I, cool. I humbly request. Uh, have you got anything to add in the green room? Um, I don't think so. Fun stories, um, anecdotes. Let me see. Let me open the green room. Uh, COVID. Um, I don't have COVID. Um, and I'm not getting married. Um, Spoilers. <laughs> no, I, I only ask because, like, you know, otherwise it's it's just going to be talking. But if you're comfortable with that, then cool. You know, I, you know me, Edgar. I've I've no problem interrupting and making things about myself. <laughs> That's so not true. <laughs> of all the people I know, that is the least true with you. Jesus Christ. Oh, thanks, dude. Uh, yeah, no, it really is. Like, I think I suffer from that problem. Like, I'm constantly, you know, I'll talk to a person and then my only way of interacting with what they're saying is to make it about me, um, which I don't think I handle very adept- adeptly at all. I'm just, I'm just not very good at dealing with people, to be honest with you, man. Yeah, no, that, that's a thing um, that is, is often said... You know, oh, you know, if you're talking to someone, just, you know, just listen and don't, you know, don't make it about yourself. But I, that's not my experience at all. Like, and I've, I've had this discussion with other people who feel the same way that if you say, oh, that reminds me of this thing or I can relate to it for this reason or because of this experience that is understood as sympathy and solidarity or whatever. Whether it's a cultural difference or it's a generational difference or what, I don't know. But it's it's a bit of advice that just has never made sense and hasn't has never rung true for me. Yeah, actually. So no, I think you're good. I, I yeah, I agree with you. Actually, yeah, yeah. I never really considered it like that. I, that that's really interesting. That's actually a genuine like help for me. <laughs> because like I'm every, pretty great. What can I say? What can I say? Because every time I'm talking to someone and I do that thing where I, I'm like, oh, yeah, that reminds me of this thing that happened to me or whatever. I always immediately feel bad about because I made it because um, I've made it. Um, what's word I'm looking for? About myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, when you when you think about it like that, I should make it about myself more often. <laughs> <laughs> anywho, 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 green room. Um, so um, for reasons that will become obvious in a few seconds, we were meant to do Dune today. We're meant to review Dune. Uh, but I have not yet finished rereading Dune, and I'd like to reread it again to have it fresh in my mind before we do it. So that's going to be shoved till next month. Um, one of the big reasons why I don't have Dune read is because I, over the Christmas on Christmas Day, got COVID and what? was sick as a dog and out of action for like a week. Um, and I felt no compulsion to read anything. I just felt the compulsion to lie there and feel sorry for myself. So I'm basically a week behind when it comes to reading the book. So apologies, listeners. I got the plague. It was crap. Oh, my God, dude. I did not know that. I genuinely did not know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got it. And so so what happened was, right, the captain's sister uh, came down the day before Chris. No, no, the 23rd, right? And then... Uh, she tested positive for COVID 
on the 24th, which meant that all of our Christmas plans were off and she had to isolate in uh, a, like a faraway part of the house. And then, so she was, she tested positive from the 24th. And then on the 25th, Christmas day, after canceling all the plans, I end up getting the thing. Uh, I don't know if it was from her or just, or she got it from us. We don't know. Um, but it just like everyone just got COVID <laughs> and, mm. and it ruined it for everyone. Like, uh, so all the like meeting family was thrown out the window. Um, I, I had this big lavish Christmas dinner cooked and I was going to make it for like all of my family and, and the captain and her sister. That all got thrown out the window. So Christmas was a barring one thing, which I'll talk on in a second, a bloody write off this year. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, I mean, it, it could be worse. Like, you know, I didn't go to hospital. Like, I wasn't hospitalized with the COVID. I just had, like, a really bad cold for, uh, for like, I don't know, four or five days and then had to wait out 10 days of isolation. So it, it could have been worse. could have been a lot worse. And this weekend, we're going to go see her family because we're all clear now and we're going to have, like, a little mini Christmas. So it's fine. It's grand. Okay. Um, so that was, that was that, right? So that's why we're not doing Dune. Uh, but another cool thing happened in my life, which I won't dwell on because I don't want to be self-indulgent, but it raises an interesting point about the way society works that I never realized. And I just want to run it by Bill and see what, what Bill thinks about it. I, on Christmas morning, mere hours before contracting COVID, uh, proposed to the captain. And so the captain and I are going to uh, are gonna become vice, vice admirals together. Um, admirals of vice. Admirals of vice. So yeah, uh, so that, that was a thing. Very fun. It went well. Congratulations, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but the thing I want to... So again, I'm not going to talk about like, you know, the dash and make it all about myself. But the thing I want to bring up is that I... We both quickly decided that we do not want to do a uh, standard wedding, uh, which involves the Catholic Church. And I know we have religious listeners listening, uh, so apologies for the next bit. Um, I'm not religious, um at all really uh, nor do nor am i particularly fond of the catholic church given its uh uh track record in this country uh so i feel quite uncomfortable about engaging with the catholic church always basically and so uh, we really and the captain feel the same way so we really don't want to have a wedding that's in a church um so we thought about having like a home wedding so we'll do a little wedding at home we don't have to spend a heap of money on a venue um, it's easier for the disabled people in, in my life then. And we was like, oh, we'll do that. That sounds like a great idea. So we did a bit of research. Turns out it is borderline impossible to legally get married in your own house. What? Yeah, it is. It is. They make it so incredibly difficult that it's functionally impossible. The government dict, or no, not necessarily the government, but like big wedding is what I'll call it. Big wedding basically dictates to you that you you... They basically funnel you into one of, like, say, two or three predefined routes on how to get married. And in your home is not an option. And the reason is that you can't, in order for a uh, a priest or a celebrant or a solemnizer, I think they're called. Yeah, no, it's not a celebrant, a solemnizer. Uh, to come out and perform a legally the legally binding contract of marriage, um, they you need to register your home as a venue and get it pre-approved by the authorities. And in order to do so, your home has to meet 
certain criteria and one of them is it has to be a public space which homes aren't and it has to have ample parking for anyone who may show up which most homes my own home included have a driveway that could fit like you know what like three cars maybe tops so if you have any more than three families coming to your wedding legally you'll fail the thing and you cannot get married in your own home and you nor can you uh, so we we also try to think we'd be like okay let's not go with like a uh, professional solemnizer let's go with like we'll pick a friend and we'll say to that friend hey we'll we'll pay for you to go through the process of becoming like registered as a solemnizer so you can just perform the rights and you're not going to care about this nonsense about ample parking space and publicly accessible Edgar I just I just don't have time to become an official satanic celebrant right now (laughs) I I I would love you know you know in fact I'll do that as my wedding present for you well, I won't break your heart here, Bill, but like you, you actually weren't considered uh, in this uh, for the reason that, and this is actually kind of cute, so I'll share this. Uh, myself and my captain, most of the pivotal moments in our lives have, uh, through fate, both fate and organization, uh, surrounded around a mutual friend of ours. And, and we met because of a mutual friend of ours, myself and the captain. So we thought it'd be mm-hmm. really cute for that mutual friend of ours. Like he brought us together and would get him to like, wed us like that would be really full circle that would be adorable it'd be very adorable very symbolic etc turns out you can't do it you cannot register as a like temporary solemnizer like big wedding has a complete monopoly on solemnizers in order for you to like funnel through their system and like you know to give them your for you to give them your money basically it all revol- mm-hmm. it always comes back to capital like they just want your cash and like they're not willing to like make these temporary people because then they won't get paid for it and it's just it's so frustrating and the thing that made me really kind of like aware of like how like crap the system is what happens that let's say you have someone who is dying for example and they want to before they die get married Right, I don't think that's an insane thing to happen. Like, I think that happens like all the time. Um, not common, but like not impossible. That person, let's say the per- dying person is bedridden in their own home. That person can't get married then because that home cannot be licensed by the government to become a wedding venue. Even if no one, even if no one shows up, it's not a publicly accessible space, so it it fails a test. So then that that poor dying person who's bedridden at home cannot get married unless they like shift them to like a pre-approved venue like a church or some hotel somewhere which is like you know i've had to shift disabled people like over the course uh, course course of the last couple of years and like it's no fun for like the person doing the caring or the disabled person so it's just they make it impossible to get married in the comfort of your own home that's like, literally just for the legal part of it just for the legal part of it, yes. So what you can wow. do, and what we can do, what we are doing is we're just going to go to a registrar's office, sign the legal bit of documentation. We'd like literally it'll be myself, the captain, plus two witnesses, and mm-hmm. then have like a like air quotes fake ceremony where we basically have a wedding in 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 our home, but mm-hmm. it has no legal uh, standing. You know, we can't actually do the deed in our house, and like. You know, I'm all for big government. Like, I'm a big smelly leftist. Uh, but this is one of those times where the libertarian in me kind of gets triggered. And it was kind of like, people should be allowed to marry, like, who they want 
and do so when and where they want. Like, this should not be a thing that the government uh, is is dictating to us. Like, you So, know, like this paperwork can only be filled out in these three specific locations. Yeah, and it's essentially those, like, you know, the standard wedding venues that you rent out, churches or a registered office. And, you know, you can, like, you know if we had a, a, a person of this uh, sector here, they would be at pains to point out that, well, you can register other uh other places it's just we make it really difficult to make that a practical reality like yeah in theory you can but in practice you absolutely can't like and it's just and it kind of wrecked their buzz because uh, so now we're kind of like oh i guess we're gonna have like a sham wedding that doesn't actually really mean anything uh to just kind of like keep up the appearances of a ceremony of some description because like given our belief set we just we just can't do that in this country like it's nuts mm. Absolutely nuts. What are your thoughts, Bill? Are you triggered? Are you as triggered as I am? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it's it's stupid. It's so it's just annoying. Like, wh- wh- why why does it matter? Like, why why can you not fill out the paperwork at home? So I guess let me just put devil advocate on here. If usually the filling out of the paperwork. Uh, like you know because you know when a standard wedding in a church you do the bit where you sign the little document and everyone is there like usually mm-hmm. that's part of a ceremony with tons of people and I guess some red tape health and safety bureaucrats go we shouldn't allow people to do that in their own homes uh, or at least make it extremely difficult to do it because like you know weddings are big in this country in general and you're going to have all of these cars parked outside on the road clogging up traffic preventing people from going where they want to go creating a hazard so let's just say that you're not going to do that and let's just you know give them the option of going to a church a a hotel venue thing or a register office like that's probably what they're thinking but it's just kind of like and i I agree with them like to an extent but it's just kind of like oh i wish you just allow us to use common sense like but it's it's also kind of futile because you know there's nothing stopping everyone driving up to the house afterwards for the party. <laughs> yeah, precisely. And like like in our case, we're just going to have the wedding minus the legal component in the house. So there will be yeah. a ton of cars and like you know, you, you can't like it's just oh, it's it's just absolutely daft. It's absolutely people you should marry, you should be able to marry whoever again, whoever, whoever the hell you want and wherever and however the hell you want. Like the mm. only role a government should whenever play whenever you want. Whenever you want. Well, maybe not whenever you want. Like maybe let's not have 12-year-olds getting married. Like No, no, I don't mean in terms of age. I mean right. like if you want to do it at like 2 a.m., that's your business. Yeah, precisely. Precisely. Um and I think that um the the only the only role that the government should play here is that they should have like a portal available to you to submit documents to prove that you're married because that's a thing that society calls for like for tax exemption and things like that so it should be a way for us to like declare to the government we are in fact married but the government should have no involvement in how that occurs in my opinion i think that's that's so invasive like so incredibly invasive um but there you go and then further problems that are frustrating me and i promise i'll shut up now in the second internet and we can all move on with our lives uh i i'm was not born in ireland as you know bill i was born in saudi arabia Mm-hmm. This makes life quite difficult uh, because because I was born outside of Ireland and outside of the Hague area, I think it's called, in Europe. Um, I need to do a whole bunch of red tape in order to like supply them 
with like an original copy of a birth cert and that birth cert has to be taken to an embassy to get approved and stamped and witnessed and again it's like I don't really understand why I'm doing this and part of me is kind of like would it not just be an idea for me to give you my passport like like my passport declares me as an Irish citizen like what more do you want like you know it's just it's yeah. so frustrating so now I'm spending I'm literally spending my mornings now like trying desperately to get through to the Irish embassy in Riyadh in Saudi Arabia no one seems to want to pick up at all like no emails are replied to no phone calls are answered and I'm trying desperately to get them to send me something that's an official original birth cert because I, I think I only have a photocopy and without that like if for whatever reason I can't get that like again I can't get married which is bananas <laughs> like absolutely bananas so these next couple of months are going to be interesting to say the least so, so you could you could prove that you're a, a real person and an Irish citizen and everything but they need they need proof that you were born I know I know it's mad like, <laughs> what, what's their play here yeah, exactly. it's like I can give you proof of building address I can give you proof that I've lived in the various locations I've lived for like Literal, literal decades like I, I can do this all you have ample uh, you know I'm on the, the health service system because of the COVID vaccine like I'm very clearly a citizen of this country and not some sort of like mad uh, illegal immigrant or whatever but even then even then why can't illegal immigrants get married on Irish soil like who cares like who gives a like sorry I shouldn't swear like people should be able to marry like it's just all this unnecessary like red tape um and it's again it's one of those times where I get a small, small, teeny tiny window into how the lives of people who aren't the majority are just that little bit tougher, you know? Because like for for the captain, for example, like she has to present a birth cert, but that's like no problem. Like she could, our our house could go up in fire tomorrow, and she could just order a new birth cert from the births, deaths, and marriages uh, section of the government or whatever. Uh, whereas if that were to occur to me. Like getting a birth cert is like really difficult for me, and because again, I don't, I'm not like the the cookie the co- cookie cutter template of an Irish person, mm-hmm. and it just makes life a little bit harder. So, like you know, the, like I said, it's one of those times where once again, I think to myself, God, if I was like, a, let's say, I'm a Nigerian immigrant to Ireland or whatever, like I, I have a small appreciation about how awkward that person's life must be just because yeah. they don't fit the mold. Um, not comparing myself to those those people, for example. Like, I don't want to say, like, oh, like, I, I can't get married in my own home. Like, I'm effectively exactly like someone who sought who sought refuge from a horrible war somewhere. Like, I'm not, not saying that at all. It's just, like, I have a small appreciation. Mm-hmm. Ah, so that's that's my woes, Bill. Thanks for listening to me. I appreciate it. Thank you, Internet, for listening to me, too. Anytime. <laughs> um, that's the show. That's the show. That's the show. And you don't have COVID anymore. I do not have COVID, no. And you are engaged. And I am engaged. And I also don't need to get the booster vaccine for three months, which is interesting. Yeah, you're not allowed to get it. I I haven't figured out whether that's because it won't be effective or it's not necessary or it's dangerous or what. I Uh, I think... I think because I went in like an idiot because I don't watch news, so I don't. I'm kind of like a little bit uninformed. So I went in to get my booster vaccine, and they were like, "So uh, have you had COVID?" And I was like, "Yes," and they were like, "Oh, when?" And I was like, "Oh, in December." And they were like, "What? What are you doing here?" <laughs> and I was like, "I'm here to get a booster. Like I don't want to get COVID again." And she, and she was like, "No, no, but you're immune. You're you have natural immunity now for the next couple of months. So like only come when that runs out. So I think it's a case of like saving." 
booster doses, right. like yeah, giving yeah, them to people sense. who need them, you know. Um, yeah. but I mean, we could be giving them to the global south, but the glo- apparently that that would make the money sad. So. Wait, wait, the glo- what's the global south? Like the the underdeveloped countries or whatever. Oh, is that a, I've never heard that term before. Yeah, for for, mo- for a moment there, I thought you meant like the southern hemisphere, like the well, south. Mo- of the globe. Most of them are in the southern hemisphere, or like you know, yeah, are further course. south than the more developed countries. Yeah. Uh, developed is is a contentious term, of course, but yeah, like you know, there's there's places throwing away excess vaccines that are going out of out of date, and then there's like billions of people in in Asia and Africa and, and South America who aren't vaccinated. Humans, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm so. Yeah. I talk to because I, it would make the money sad. Yeah, exactly. It's all about the money. Like you know, it's not about people. <laughs> people are just vessels to create more money. Oh, it's so sad. Uh, but anyhow, so yeah, I no longer have COVID. Um, got that that natural immunity, and will be getting boosted at the earliest possible time because, like, as much as COVID didn't land me in the hospital, it's still, it's still really annoying to get. Yeah. Even if you get like the mildest form, it's like it's a super flu, and you're like, oh, I just don't want this. Um, so there you go. Right, Bill. Edgar. You the best. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Correct. Uh, I'll see you next month, Bill, and I'll see you, ne- uh, listeners, next month, where we have uh, where we will look at Dune, and I will be talking about a video of mine. I promise you. I promise <laughs> you. Until next time. Edgar, Edgar out. out. Oh, wait, no, sorry. Hold on. I totally forgot to thank the patrons. Let's do it again. Yeah, let's do it again. <laughs> we clap. We go from here. Uh, also, sorry. Thanks, patrons. Oh, my God. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And thanks for supporting the show. This is important. I should say at the end of every recording. Yeah? Yes. Thank you, patrons. We couldn't do it without you. We couldn't do it without you. Until next time, Edgar out. Edgar out.